You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. You know, everyone wants to learn how to build a good relationship, a better relationship, maybe an exceptional relationship. I don't even know what that means. How are you supposed to know if you're in one? Now, you could take a college course in Stanford, or you can take a shortcut. And you can listen to David Bradford talk about his new book, Connect, Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends, and Colleagues. David, how are you today? I am fine. Good to be here. Okay, this is going to be so much fun. I enjoyed reading your book. Um, I would like to say I read it to cover to cover. Believe it or not, I didn't read the epilogue. I was up to it last night, and I was just too tired to finish. But I read everything else. Anyways, but before we start, who is David Bradford? Well, I'm uh, a senior lecturer at Graduate School of Business, Stanford University, emeritus. I no longer teach, though I do executive programs and write. Okay. I can add to that. I was the primary developer of uh, this iconic course called uh, Interpersonal Dynamics that the students call touchy-feely, and that's the basis of of our book. Which leads me right into my next question, and that is, why did you write the book? I know you you partnered with, um, I guess, a student and then a colleague with Carol, who's not with us today, Um, but why did you guys write the book? Well, I think two reasons. One is um, we saw the powerful impact on our students, and we uh, we want to change the world. We want to uh, build a uh, better world, and we want other people to have it. And it was prompted by a call from an editor at Penguin Random House in London, and he said, uh, only your students get the benefit. Uh, why don't you write a book? So Carol and I took up the challenge and Spent four long years struggling and coming up with it. Wow, amazing. You know, I'm a teacher and I do like to read, but I love reading books with stories because it it sort of makes it uh, real. Uh, But I was actually curious. I was reading through the stories. Um, are Are they teaching stories or are they actual real life stories? Well, there is two types of stories. One are the short stories. uh, And of course, there is a chapter 17 of the story of Carol and myself and our difficulty and how we recovered. Those are all real. Now, there are five sort of thematic stories that run through it involving two people. Those are a composite. Uh, That is, in the years that we have coached and led this, taught this course, you, you sort of pull together and put it together. So did it exactly occur? No. Did it occur? Yes, in little parts. Okay, excellent. Which is, I wasn't sure as I was reading the book, 
but I, the, I definitely understood that your the c- compilations you like to use that word that these are stories that happen to people and these are ways people can work through a relationship but really i uh, i i need to know um what how do you define a relationship and then the next question is really what makes a, re- a relationship exceptional right well relationships are in a continuum uh, some are uh, transitory, are casual, are superficial. That's okay. If I go shopping, I don't need an intimate relationship with a clerk. I just need uh, that person to be friendly, and I want to be friendly. And relationships, as I said, are on a continuum. They are friends, uh, maybe tennis partners, people we go to a concert with, uh, very deep, deeper friends, intimate ones. And then at the other end are what we call exceptional. And uh, that has, uh, as we looked at it, that has six characteristics. Uh, the first one is, uh, can I be myself? And as a person said, uh, can I stop spitting an image? Can I stop presenting an image? The second is, uh, can I build conditions where you can be yourself? And I know that that's really you and, and not uh, something you want to uh, put a sort of a cover on. The third is, this is going to require sharing, vulnerability. Do I have some confidence that you won't use that information against me? Fourth, can we be honest with each other? Uh, As as a phrase goes, um, can I say what I mean and can I mean what I say? Which is a little cliche-ish. But can you not have to read between the lines? Can you say, okay, David's saying that. That's, That's what he really believes. And I think fourth um, is, can we value conflict, learn how to deal with it, and deal with it in a way that actually builds a relationship? And finally, are we committed to each other's growth and development? Now, those are high standards. And I figure if you have four or five of those relationships, you're ahead of the game. But those dimensions apply all along the continuum to various degrees. I'm, you're saying that a person is lucky with uh, with four or five. I, I, I'm looking at this list, uh, certainly as we get towards the end of the list, and I think people that have one might be lucky. Uh, in other words, like... Oh, that's I, sad. Like I, I, in the back of the book or in the, in the cover, um, you've been married 50 years. I don't know how, how old the book is. It's not that 56 old. 56 years. <laughs> that is amazing. And there's a lot of marriages that may not even touch on a whole bunch of these points. You know, people are just, uh, people are sort of interested in not having conflict. And I almost wonder if you're telling people that if you want to have a real relationship, there's going to have to be some conflict. Is that true? Not true? That's true. That's true. I don't. Somebody once said the only place where there's no conflict is a graveyard. <laughs> I mean, whenever people interact, we do things that bother the other people, the other person. Uh, so, so, so let me try an analogy why I think conflict is not only inevitable, but is desirable. Let's imagine you're driving uh, to work to the shul. And the, uh, the wheels are a little wobbly, and the steering feels a little loose, and there's a knocking in the motor. You don't say, bad car, bad car. You get it fixed. It's a sign that something has to be worked on. 
So can we see conflict as something's getting in the way of our relationship? Can we look at it? Can we learn from it? Can we improve it and not just leave the relationship? So when I read your book, I did. But when someone reads your book, or better yet, takes the course in Stanford, it's a little more expensive, though, than purchasing your book. Um, can you, I, I, I almost think of the word of brave. Can you teach me to be brave enough that I'm not worried what will happen when there's conflict? As soon as I say to you that, you know, I, again, and I know you have the right ways of saying it, but um, when I tell my neighbor, you know, I would appreciate if you don't leave your, all your kids' stuff strewn all over the lawn, and, but I know my neighbor's reaction is going to be defensive, so, and then I'm going to get yelled at. So if I want a relationship, I have to be brave, or maybe not. Yeah, well, I think you have to be brave, and there's no, it's always a risk. Relationships are a risk. And uh, what the book, so I don't want to take away the fact that your neighbor may get mad at you. But if he gets mad at you, maybe that's the basis for a further discussion of saying, hey, Simon, what's going on? Uh, is there a way I could have raised it? Because I don't want to stay resentful for you. So therefore, what is it about our relationship that I can't raise this sort of stuff? Uh, so, you know, it's, there's no perfect way of doing it. It takes some risk, but I think the book talks about ways to minimize the risk and even more to recover from it because we do things that make a mistake. And I think that there are a lot of examples in the book where people make mistakes that are able to recover. Uh, you know, and we, we, I don't know if we'll have time to get into that story specific. I, th I found it fascinating that you and Carol teach a course on building relationships and teach a course on how to be brave and how to talk to each other and all the rules and your side of the, of the uh, tennis court or your side of the, um, the net, however you called it. But you yourselves ran into a conflict and it was almost like you, you, you weren't able to use the course to help you get through it. So does that mean that no matter how much I want to try to make a relationship, if it's not, if we don't both want to build a relationship, it may not always help or work? That's right. It, t it takes two to do this. Uh, uh, now you can do some things to increase the other person's willingness to do it. You can talk about what is lost that we had before. You can talk about what is desired in terms of what we can build. But if the other person walks away, they walk away and so on. Now, I want to correct one sort of thing. I think we did use the course. We didn't use the course initially. It took us a little time to use the course material. But I don't think we could have recovered if we didn't know what's in the course. It took us some time. But Carol was deeply hurt by something that I did or better didn't do. And uh, it took time to recover. But we stuck in there. Right. I, I did know that. And I, and I wasn't clear that, yes, you did use um, all, we'll say, call it rules and regulations or, the, or, or, or our list of things that we have to do to build a strong and exceptional relationship. But I, it, it was just an eye-opener that... that we know the rules, we know how to build a good relationship, but sometimes 
just because I know what to do and how to do it, and we both want to do it, but it doesn't mean I can do it today. Sometimes I, I have to give some space. That's what I really meant in, in that last story. Right, right. And, and I think and, and even if you know the rules, you don't always use it. There's been more than once that Eva has said to me, you teach this stuff. Why don't you do it? <laughs> uh, so, so there's times in which I make accusations and then I have to apologize. Um, so we're not perfect. You know, we don't expect to be perfect. Uh, we're only human. Right. Okay. Amazing. So at we'll pause a drop over here in the middle. Um, you wrote to me in an email. You said that, first of all, both you and Carol are Jewish. And you felt right. or feel there's a Jewish connection to your book, to the course. And that intrigues me because we didn't, we didn't take it further than that in the email. So now I am following up on that statement that you made in the email. <laughs> okay, now I'm now, Rabbi. I am moving into territory where I am not an expert. So you're going to need to correct me. But let me oh, share that. That's what, what, what I'm what, good at. <laughs> good. Well, it it seems to me, uh, as as I understand it, um, well, central to Judaism is you want to build a better world. We we need to repair tikkun olam, and I think central to this is I want to build better relationships. I think the second thing is that, um, as I experience it, and when I go to Torah study and so on, that um, we have a lot of disagreements, we have a lot of conflict, and it's wonderful. And we learn from it, that we see that reasonable people see the world in different ways. If we have to see it in the same way, it's really quite boring. As I also understand it, I think one of the mitzvot is that if another Jew is not living by the mitzvot, you have a responsibility to tell them. I call that feedback. And uh, so I think that the whole notion of, um, of honoring your feelings, I think that we, in a sense, say all feelings are important. And as I understand it, Judaism is a religion of behavior. We need to look at our behavior. And that's the focus of the book of saying, irrespective of my intention, it's my behavior that causes a problem. So those are some of the themes that at least I see. Now, uh, please correct me if I have any of this wrong. Oh, you gave me so many things. We'll, we'll, I'll try to touch on a whole bunch. And I, I like everything you said. First of all, there's a fascinating uh, concept so you called it feedback. People call it rebuke. The Hebrew word is actually musr. So again, musr just means if you're doing something wrong, it's really my job to correct you. The Talmud, though, explains that there's two problems. And this goes back 2,000 years. One problem is that I don't know how to do it. And the second problem is that you don't know how to accept it. You being the you general, the royal so if I don't know how to give rebuke, then I'm wasting my time. And if I know that you can't accept it, so then I'm also, I'm just going to get you angry. My, my goal is not to get you angry. My goal is to correct you to make you a better person. And, and ah, but, but, but if I can break in, please. Please, Rabbi. please. And, and I think the other, the other characters of Judaism is we interrupt all the time, which yes. I love. 
I'm very good at that. <laughs> and um, you see, I think rebuke is is a judgmental thing. And one of the things that we stress is if you do something that bothers me, I have some feelings about that. And I'm going to share, I'm not going to say you're a bad person. I'm going to say, hey, I really feel hurt by what goes on. So I think we can learn how to raise it that minimizes defensiveness. And I think that the book gives a lot of examples and hopefully is helpful that, uh, in, in how to do that. Now, in terms of the other person not receiving it, I then want to have a conversation about that. Because if you can't receive it, you're hurting yourself. You're keeping yourself from learning. You're keeping this relationship from improving. So can I say, hey, wait a minute. Did I do anything that unduly causes defensiveness? And, and anyway, there's a problem. If, if you're going to come back and attack me, I'm not going to raise issues in the future. That hurts you. That hurts me. Can we talk about it? And I think one of the things, I think we're back to Judaism, if you can talk about it, you can usually resolve it. Yes, I love that. I teach my class. Now, this I didn't even write down as we're writing down notes. And I love what you're saying. Um, it's fascinating by the, by the Haggadah, Passover night, when we talk to the children, there's four types of children. Okay, so you're familiar. I right. see you nodding your head. The wise son, the wicked son. So they're very fascinating verse. The verse says, um, when the Jewish people are informed, they're getting ready to leave, and you're going to go to the land of Israel, and I'm taking you out of Egypt, and, and you're, and you're going to have children, and your children are going to ask you questions. It's very clear in the verse that the child that they're referring to is the wicked child. So we're yes. being told we're going to have, going to go to Israel, going free, we're going to have wicked children. They're going to ask us questions. And then the verse says, and every bow, everyone bow down and thank God. So I ask my class all the time, I say, come on, we're thanking God for the wicked child? Why am, why am I thanking God for that? So the answer I always say is, it's, it's true, look, there's all kinds of children, good children, hard children, we don't want to use words bad, but the, I'm just using the Torah's lingo of, of wise and wicked. I said, as long as our children, or anyone for that matter, is still having a conversation then there's hope for change. But yes. once the person won't talk to me anymore, so now I'm done. So even that, now the Torah used it as wicked, we're using it um, and building relationships. As long as I can continue to have a conversation, then we, can, can, we could either start or continue to build a relationship. I like that one. I like that one, and I want to add to it. As I uh, read, uh, read the Haggadah every Pesach, that the wicked one is saying, why did God lead you out of and didn't include himself? And when you give behavioral feedback, the other person can't say, it's not me. So I am hooking that person in. So if I say, Rabbi, when you did X, I felt discounted. I felt hurt. Obviously, I'm making this up. I felt hurt. I'm pointing out your behavior. I'm bringing you in. I'm not letting you say, oh, I'm not involved. You are involved. Your behavior is. And even if you say, that's not my intention, well, it's not intentions. It's behavior. I say, well, I don't care about your intentions. 
But when you did that, I really felt hurt. And I think that if I can be vulnerable and share my feelings, and I think Judaism legitimizes feelings, I think more than any other religion I know, then we can are more likely to make a connection. Yeah, I love it. Here's another one I jotted down as you were telling me your ideas. And that is another famous piece of Talmud. It talks about when two students or a rabbi and a student are learning the Talmud and they're fighting. And they're fighting like a war. I don't know if you ever had the experience. <laughs> if you ever have a chance to walk into a Talmudic study hall, if you, you got to do it at least once, especially like on the East Coast, but anywhere where there's a couple hundred guys that are sitting and yelling and screaming at each other and just <laughs> yelling. But the Talmud says, so they're fighting over explanation, over understanding of what the law should be. But once they're finished, they walk out as friends. So they yes. start out as enemies, the verse says, but they end loving each other. So the idea is, yeah, we can have a disagreement. There can be something that we don't see, forget eye to eye. There's something that we're so angry we could come to blows even. But, but that has nothing to do with the relationship I want to build with you. We had our argument. Let's figure out right, wrong, how we can deal with it. But the goal at the end is to still end up loving each other. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's great. And uh, if I can add a little something to that, please, I, is that uh, as if you can stop me. <laughs> um, so uh, when we yell at each other, I think it means I'm talking, but I'm not listening. And uh, so if you feel really, really strongly about something, wouldn't it help me if I really understand your position? And there's a difference between understanding and agreeing. I may not agree with you. So if you think, so think back to chapter 17 when Carol and I had that big fight. We never really agreed with each other's position, but we understood what it meant to the other person. And that's what healed us. And that's what allowed us to walk out as even closer friends than we were before the fight. Okay, I have to add, you reminded me of something else. There's the famous, <laughs> the famous House of Hillel and House of Shammai that they used to always argue. Hundreds and right. hundreds of arguments. So it happens to be that the Shammai, House of Shammai is always quoted first, and the House of Hillel is always quoted second. And the law always follows Hillel. And, mm -hmm. the, and they explain that Beis Hillel, the House of Hillel said, first let me understand what... Beishamai is saying, what the house of Shammai is saying. I hear them, but I disagree with them. So uh, just another example. So my time is flying. So I'm going to ask you, David, for two things. First of all, what you'd like to leave us with. And second of all, how we can get your book, Connect, Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends, and Colleagues by David Bradford and Carol Robin. So again, leave us with something, and how do we get the book? Okay, first of all, what I would want to stress is we always have choices. And what we say to the students when they say, I can't, we say, nope, that's a choice. You may not want to make that choice, but that is a choice. So I really want to have people, I have a choice about whether I stay in this relationship. I have a choice about whether I raise this issue. I have a choice about whether I'm going to be honest with you. It's all choices. And I think if all of us felt empowered 
owned the fact we had choices, we'd be building better relationships. Now, in terms of getting the book, I would uh, urge you to look at our website, which is www.connectandrelate, as if it's one word, connectandrelate.com. You'll find uh, some other podcasts on it, but you'll also find a self-assessment questionnaire that you might find useful, and also a suggestion of how you can get your own group together and use the book and learn from each other. David, it was amazing. I thank you so very much. Um, the music is playing. I hope you'll enjoy it short and sweet. Thank you to all the responses and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to all the production team. We have David, Kelsey, and Alan in the back. I have left some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.